Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice. Right on. Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 84 for Thursday, May 10th, 2012. I am Bill Wadman. And I'm Dan Gottesman. And welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Apologies for the delay. We have been busy. At least I've been busy. It's a busy week. Uh, You know, last week you had uh, a bad throat. This week I have a bad throat. Hmm. I just woke up with this, like, tickle. I sound like I, you know, I can Mm. talk very low today. Hmm. It's that kind of thing. I like that. It happens, I guess, to the best of us. Sure. Hey, have you seen this new uh, Adobe CS6? Have you played with this? I have. What do you think? So far, so good. Now, I'm assuming, I'm assuming, wink, mm-hmm. wink, mm-hmm. that you are playing with the trial version or that you purchased it. Something like that. Uh, what do you think about the new copy protection scheme? I think it makes a ton of sense, and I'm surprised it's taken them this long to figure it out. The login stuff, the subscription, what are, we, what are you referring to? Yeah, the whole basically, you know, uh, attaching it to um, an account yeah. thing. Like, Apple has been doing that pretty successfully now for a couple of years, you know, through their App Store. And uh, it just it just makes sense, man. Um, rather than going through, I mean, again, sort of just taking a cue from Apple, I think um, what they have figured out is that people... Um, don't mind um, paying for software um, if it's easy as long as it's yeah as long as it's easy and not terribly expensive mm-hmm. so um, the, yeah, I mean the classic classic examples on Apple's side are like Final Cut Pro you know some of these pro apps and Logic and you know other things like that that used to cost hundreds of dollars now only cost a couple hundred dollars or even less in some cases yeah. um, uh, and, and it's a simple just click here, download it, and now you own it, and you can reinstall it easily from pretty much anywhere you are as long as you have an internet connection. Sure. And um, I kind of th- I, I think it's a step in the right direction for Adobe. You know. I guess the question becomes: I mean, one of the nice things about the App Store is that it doesn't seem like there's any real limit on if if I buy, you know, GarageBand on one machine, I can download it on all my Macs. You know, yeah. I guess I, there's probably like five or six. I don't know what the limit is. Yeah. Sure. Um, right. I, I wonder if Adobe will be the same way, or if you try to install it on a second computer, because they're they were they've always been pretty crazy about the Creative Suite stuff. Yeah, it's true. Um, but again, they also made it that it, it was still really basic. You know, it, it was old school. I mean, that that style of software licensing, or you know, whatever you call it, copy protection. Yeah, you know, enter the serial number and then. When the app is open, it's broadcasting over the network so that you know it, it doesn't allow multiple instances of that same serial number yeah. to, to coexist. That's that's been around since the nineties. Yeah. Um, what's what's now what's more interesting, you know, and then they kicked it up a notch with the internet. I think I remember in, in it was CS three or CS four where they made it so that the the apps actually phone home. You know, yep. they they actually you know check in with you know uh, Adobe's servers, and then you know obviously the the workaround for that was, you know, just disconnect your computer from the internet and then you're fine. Um, so now they're making it one step more difficult where you can't even install the application without an internet connection. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong, that definitely raises some issues. Um, 
but uh, as time marches forward and more and more people are, you know, constantly and always connected to the internet, it's, it's, it's a smaller and smaller group of, of, you know, holdouts, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, cause you can make this argument that's like, Oh no, well, you know, I, I work, you know, on airplanes all day long, or I work in the middle of nowhere where there is no internet connection. How am I supposed to get my work done? Um, and I'm sure Adobe has, you know, whatever you want to call it, plans or, um, loopholes or, you know, allowances in their, in their scheme to, to accommodate people in those positions. But I don't know. I haven't done enough reading or research about it yet. But I, anyway, I think from a, from a cost standpoint, from a money standpoint, I think it makes a lot of sense because, um, I, you know, a lot of people, you know, were, were very quick to, to pirate, you know, or to, you know, to steal whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, their software because it was just so damn expensive. You know, right. it's like, I want to use well, these has, tools, the but price I hasn't really come down much. Well, but in a way it has, because now you, if I'm, unless I'm misunderstanding, you can, you can just license it on a, on a month to month basis. Oh, oh do, doing basis. that part. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, you can, awesome. it's weird though, because you can still buy, you can buy the package versions for around the same price that they were, which is like 1500 bucks or something sure. like that for the whole, the whole shebang. Sure. It's interesting though. When you look at the list of stuff that's in, the full creative suite, like the master collection. Oh my God. There's like a dozen things. Yeah. There's like a dozen things. And I can't imagine anybody who actually needs all 12 of those, you right. know, or, or uses all 12 of those. Like they're very sort of like, okay, I could see Joe Schmo needing this one, this one, and this one, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Sure. Um, but, but so you could still go buy it the old fashioned way, or you can essentially buy it, uh, rent it at one twenty fourth of what it costs to, to buy. So if you're going to buy it, if you plan on renting it for the next two years, well then, uh, well, that's, you know, that doesn't make a ton of sense. Right. But that's aimed at people who like, let's say you ha- you know, you have a job coming up and you're yep. going to need it for this couple, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever. And you don't want to go through the hassle of trying to find, you know, the hacked version or whatever. And, you know, and or, or the hassle said, of coming up with $1,500. Well, you know, I, that's obviously not an option, but you know, but you can, you can, you can swing 20 bucks, 50 bucks, you know, for the month. Yeah. You know, no big. And, uh, I think that's a really nice, I, again, I just think it's a nice option to have. And I, I think, uh, Adobe took a step in, in the right direction. Do you think that, uh, doing subscriptions going to the future is going to be a big thing in software? Like that's going to way everyone goes. Well, again, I think Apple's been doing it that way for a long time. Yeah. Well, and they haven't been doing subscriptions. Well, it's kind of like a subscription if you think about it. I mean, all an app. I mean, the i o the iOS app store. Yeah, is is essentially just that. I mean, it, there's a little. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it uses some sort of RSS to to check and make sure you know to check and see what the status of applications updates are. You know, you're essentially once you've downloaded. Well, no, 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 an no app, sure, yeah, but but once you buy it for five bucks on or twenty bucks on Apple, right. like you don't have to pay every month. Correct. You know. Oh, um, you mean like a paid subscription? Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. You know, because the Adobe stuff is literally like if you stop paying, you no longer use Photoshop. Well, a lot, but then there's a lot of software like that too, man. Yeah. I mean, especially on the higher end, um, like when you get into the really high end stuff, like like 3D packages and compositing packages, you know, like you know that run on Linux and high end Unix workstations and stuff like that. They they you know you have the initial bump of you know buying the software, but then you have maintenance. Um, like software, ma- like licensing maintenance. Um, sure, you have to you pay, pay for bug fixes per year. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's with, as long as you want to use this software, uh, you, you know, you owe us like you know two grand a year, and right. you know, and that includes any and every software update that comes out, and you know, however much tech support you might need, 
And obviously with those sorts of, in those sorts of situations, you know, it's a much more uh, kind of exclusive, smaller user group and, you know, it's, it's more expensive. But, but that, that kind of thing has been around for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, I will, however, point out that even with all of this new technology under there, uh, cracked versions of it came out before it came out. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's not unusual. And the that, moral that of the story always, is spend yeah. all the money you want and someone yeah. will always find a way around it. Absolutely. No question. I remember the New York Times, um, you know, their new system where you can read 10 or 15 or 20. I think it was 20 and now it's 10 uh, articles a month for free and then you're supposed to pay. Oh, really? And they paid some ridiculous amount of money, like $30 million to the company who came up with the system. Mm-hmm. It's all cookie-based. You go empty your cookies or remove your New York Times cookies, and you go back, and it thinks you're a new user. Of course it does. So it's kind of like you just spent $30 million for absolutely nothing. Yeah. Just, nice. It's just amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ugh, drives me nuts. Hey, uh, another quick little Adobe thing this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put Lightroom in the App Store. Oh, the yeah. Apple App Store. Yeah. How much? 150 So nice. like the, the normal price for buying it as a new user. Nice. The annoying thing about the App Store is that if you already own it, there's no way to like prove and then make your life easier. It's true. Well, there's, there's more than one annoying thing about the App Store. My personal pet peeve, uh, I would, it's not even a pet peeve. I think it's a legitimate issue uh, that I know a lot of other people have as well. Um, is the inability to issue refunds and the... It's a, it's just, there's no three, trial? There's, yeah, three crucial things. There's no try before you buy. Mm-hmm. So the concept of shareware is is kind of killed. Um, there's no easy mechanism for um, for developers to do paid upgrades. Yes. Um, and then and then like you said, and then there's no there's no easy way to get a to return it to you know to, if you buy it and you try it for a day or two. There's no like. Easy. Way. I mean, you, don't get me wrong. You can get your money back, and you have to jump through a few cubes to do it. Um, but it's not. It's not as clean as it could be. Um, but but more so, the the, the whole n- no no try before you buy, and the no 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 ability for the for the paid update. And 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 I get I I, un- I understand it a little bit. I mean, I I guess Apple's uh, Apple's approach is like, look, we're going to make it really cheap. You know, it kind of reminds me. Do, do you remember? Um, have you ever done any shopping for? student versions of software like Microsoft Office or Adobe. Sure. Um, CS. Uh, the, the, the way it used to work was it's like the student version of Microsoft Office was 150 bucks or 100 bucks, but the professional version was 400 bucks. And if you actually looked at the, the guts you know, of what we installed, it was pretty much exactly the same exact package, like the same exact software gets put onto your computer. The difference is the license. The $300 or whatever, the $400 professional version is upgradable, yep. whereas the $150 student version is not. So what happens is, so, you know, Microsoft or, you know, the, the thought behind that is, is the long game. It's like, okay, well, we're assuming that you're going to want to use this software for a long, long time. So when you buy version 7, uh, when version 8 comes out, we'll offer the upgrade from, from 7 to 8 um, for 100 bucks. you know, because you, you, know, you, you already paid us. The three hundred dollars for the for the primary license, and and that's that model has been around for ages. You know, I mean, you, there's it's always been the case where you you know you spend five hundred dollars for the version you know the big version of Photoshop, and then the upgrade to the next version of Photoshop is only like one hundred and fifty. You know, yeah. Um, and and for a lot of people, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I bought CS four when I could under a student thing. 
Okay, but then you couldn't upgrade it. But then you can't upgrade, right? Right, exactly. Um, so what you're saying, you know. Also, so, so, isn't there something in the license that says you're not allowed to use it for commercial work? I think so. I mean, I don't know if they could hold you to that, and lots of people do, but I'm just yeah. wondering if, like, if there is something in there like that, too. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, so the other, the other thing to think about is Apple's, I think Apple's answer to that is like, okay, we'll tell you what. We're just going to make it, you know, half the cost to buy it so that when the update comes out, it'll be so cheap that you'll just, want, you'll just be able to buy it again. Sure. You know? and, and again, I, I get that, and I'm not sure how I feel about it, but, um, but I know lots of people do not like that. Right. I guess more developers than not. Yeah. No, it's, 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 uh, the whole thing is very, I don't know. The software thing is changing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I was even thinking about, uh, I was playing with GarageBand on the iPad and it, it is pretty cool stuff. Um, that's nice. yeah, fun. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, GarageBand and iPhoto, everyone points to how great they are on the iPad and, and they're great for the iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't seen many companies come up with, I haven't seen many other big applications on the iPad. You know what I mean? Not, not really. Like almost all the apps that I have in my iPad are kind of smaller things that you would have on a phone, not at the level of GarageBand and iPhoto. Like it doesn't seem like other companies are making things on that level for the iPad yet. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Who, who is? Uh. Uh, I, I just ex- played played around with uh, experimented with this really terrific audio application called Beatmaker Two. Okay. Um, which and Propellerhead it, has all their stuff on there, don't they? Uh, I don't know about all their stuff. Or they have uh, Rebirth. Yeah, well, Rebirth is no big deal. Um, Old school, man. Yeah. Remember Rebirth? I do. I do. That was like the very first <laughs> emulator, you know, actual hardware emulator thing I ever had any experience with. It Wait, hey, pretty- you know, I installed yesterday. It was free to get Wolfenstein on the oh, iPad. The or- original? Yeah. But let me tell you something. Uh-huh. The whole the the controller is like your left thumb, and you move it side to side to turn. Yeah. And you, I, I can't stand the on un- screen. It is completely thing. unusable to me. Yeah, like I could not control that thing at all. Like every time I did it, I turned way too far, way too thing. I tried yeah. playing with the sensitivity. I tried. Gotta, I, like, you know, I would you, never play this game. I wonder if those things have support for the Bluetooth keyboard, which does have arrow keys or you know physical yeah. keys that you can use. Uh, I've never. I mean, that's number. I, I can't stand those sorts of games that do like on-screen controls. Yeah. Like they put up a little D-pad, and you're supposed to just sort of like, you know, rub your thumb on the glass. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's. I don't know, Somebody needs work. to come up with like a little Bluetooth. Oh, there's tons of that stuff. There are Bluetooth game oh, controllers. Yeah. Absolutely. Because okay. that, that's the only way to do it. Because the, yeah. the the way the way I was doing it was just like this is useless. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, I mean, and that's another. That, that was, that was going to be my other. Uh, example: the other the other area that has seen a ton of really tremendous development and growth is is games. Man, there's some really really good games out. Yes, um, there are for, for iOS. Yeah. Um, on the pro level, I mean, there you can you can make the argument that um, that Apple is a serious threat to Nintendo and and yeah. Sony. You know, the the guys who have ruled the roost as far as handheld gaming for the past 10 years. Well, cuz you know concerned. what it is because these devices have gotten so powerful. That's I mean, just it. The iP- I mean, the iPhone 4S and the iPad are much more powerful than the Sony PlayStation whatever, you know. Yeah, it's tr- well, the, you know, it's true. And then the, you know, in my case the the Nintendo DS, you know, I, sure. when I got my phone, that that was pretty much the death knell for my DS, yeah. you know. I just didn't need it anymore. I see a lot of people playing that. What's the one where you're running down like the shoot and you jump over stuff and you know what I'm talking about? There's like a dozen games like that I've seen 
Yeah. I've seen. I see know, people playing those on the subway. Jumping games. Yeah. 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 All the time. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, nice, but yeah. but Wolfenstein, I was like, this is just, I can't play this. I mean, it was fun to go, Achtung! you know, <laughs> like that, that was the fun. Sure. Uh, but beyond that, I was like, ah, I'm done with this. Most, it's funny. Most of my gaming uh, on the phone is asynchronous turn-based stuff. Sure. I was just talking to my friend Pat about it. Uh, you know, words with friends, scramble with yeah. friends, you know, um, Hero Academy is that other game that I've been hooked on lately. Um, but I, I do have a couple of games that, you know, don't require the internet and are, you know, just sort of sit there and play it kind of games. I honestly dude, I still play a ton of solitaire. I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. Uh, it's, it's like solitaire is like the perfect, just sitting around on the train or waiting in line type of game. And, yeah. uh, and has um, been for generations. I know. I think it's always going to be that way. <laughs> I, um, I have that driving game on the iPad, which is right. actually really impressive. But I mean, it looks nice. But again, I I mean, you have to turn the damn iPad to yeah. steer and stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I I don't I hate that. Yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, it's like a neat concept, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, ooh, that's kind of cool. But then I, I don't. But again, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm not a big gamer. You know, like I just sort of go, eh, I'm gonna do something else. Like I, no. I I'd rather read the news than play a game. Um, but I'm weird. I admit it. However, if somebody came out with Bard's Tale or Wizardry on the iPad, oh, it's it's possible, man. It's, it's all over. I, I, it I, might I, even be out there. Have you looked? I'd be in trouble. We should we should look. Uh, let's see here. Bard's Tale <laughs> iPad. Bard's Tale for iPad. It's out. Oh, of course. Oh, that's just wrong. How much is it? Four dollars. Five ninety nine. Oh man, that's nothing. Think about it. How much did that cost when you bought it back in nineteen? 19- oh, oh but it looks completely. You it. It's completely different. Is it? Oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, apparently, oh, the new version includes the old game from the 80s, which is what I'd rather play. I don't want to play this like new thing where you're running around. Of course. I may have to buy that. Damn you. Why did you tell me about that? You brought it up, bro. <sighs> <laughs> Anyhow. Anyhow. Uh, so, uh, uh, Hackintosh. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you uh, you finally got your processor, hey? I got, well, I had the processor before last week's show. I didn't have the motherboard. Oh, right. The motherboard, gotcha. um, which was on its way from everything else shipped from the new egg facility in New Jersey, which is like, I can see it out my window. Sure. The, the motherboard came from California. Dope. So I sat there with the case open and all the things I could put in it, in it, waiting for the motherboard. The motherboard comes last Thursday. Um, I put the motherboard in. I uh, put the processor in, I do the, you know, thermal paste, and I put the new cooler on. I use, like, this Cooler Master Cooler mm. and um, put some RAM in and stuck it in the case, put the video card, hooked up all the power, all the normal things you do when you build a computer. Sure. I did it very quickly. Like, it was less than a half an hour, and I was like, uh, did I miss something? Well, you, you know, like got I got a felt, head start on it before, didn't you? I, I did get a head start, and this case is actually really easy to put things into and out of and... and and I was doing the wiring really nice. And the whole thing looked like it was so sort of minimal inside that I felt like I had forgotten something, you know, like I was yeah. staring at it going, there's not enough wires or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what it was is that I just did a really good job with the wiring and it was just kind of tight and neat. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we'll give it a shot. Uh, so and? I, so, okay. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Hackintoshes rely on the fact that, Apple uses a lot of that 
same hardware or very similar hardware of the same family in real Macintoshes. Sure. So the current problem is that there are no Ivy Bridge Macintoshes. Correct. So there is no support in the in the Darwin kernel for these chips. Like it doesn't know what it is. How different is it from the previous one? I guess it's different. It's not that much, but what it is is that it's like there's like essentially serial numbers or like family numbers in the Uh, kernel. Sure, sure. Like little registers or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it sucks. So So you're kind of bone until until they release a version of the OS that supports. Well, I'll get to that. So um on TonyMacX86.com, which is where I go to get my little bootloaders and all that kind of stuff, all the tools, uh-huh. one of the guys in there, this guy, MacMan, uh, actually went and downloaded the source of the Darwin kernel and compiled a kernel that includes the Ivy Bridge chip. Okay. So what you do is you install Mac OS and then before you reboot or after you reboot back into the installer and you go into Terminal... Uh-huh. And you actually replace the mock kernel with this patched mock kernel. Uh-huh. And How's it boots. And it works. Okay. So, so you've done this? Right. So it works, and I can get into Lion. That's all kosher. Mm-hmm. Things that don't work yet, like USB 3.0 on... USB 3.0 has been on a lot of Hackintoshes, even though it hasn't been on Macintoshes, mm-hmm. because Lacey made a USB 3.0 card for Macintoshes, using the standard NEC controller that everyone else was using. So people use that same driver to make the onboard USB 3.0 on a lot of these old motherboards work. Cool. Right. However, the new motherboards, Intel has finally put USB 3.0 in the chipset. Ah. So there's no driver for it yet. But when, yeah, when the OS supports it, it'll be native. Exactly. Right. So it'll exactly. Be nice, but you're in this weird. Right. No I'm in, no I'm sort land. of waiting. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So the machine works. It boots up. It's fine. But I was finding that the even though I was getting full resolution on my new Nvidia GT 430 video card, uh-huh. um, it it felt like choppy. You know when you go from like the login page to the desktop and it kind of does the growing thing. Yeah, like okay. a kind of a fade kind yeah, of thing. Right. Yeah. It was like a little choppy doing that. And I was like, okay, am I getting full resolution, but maybe I'm not getting Quartz Extreme? Mm-hmm. So I spent two days fighting over this because the old way you used to be able to test it was you'd mm-hmm. go into dashboard and drop a widget on and it would do the little like water ripple thing. Sure. Okay. And it wasn't doing that. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not getting Quartz Extreme. So I started like fighting and reading and looking and trying all different things and nothing worked. And then I realized that in Lion, it doesn't do the ripple thing unless you turn off uh, making dashboard a space. Oh, really? Yeah, because dashboard is now a new a space now. It's not like a thing oh, that right. overlays it's your like desktop. You have, to, you have to like control left arrow or whatever. Exactly. To to so now uh, you can go turn that off. And when I did, it shows dashboard in front of your desktop like it used to. And gotcha. it does the ripple thing, which meant I had... Quartz Extreme working. It's just that the drivers were a little slow or something. Uh-huh. So I went through like two days of head shaking for nothing. So oh, wow. basical pract- practical upshot is that it's here. It's working. I'm not using it as my main machine yet mm-hmm. just because I don't quite trust it. No, well, you should as, right. as, as well, you know. Um, but but the, the one of the things I wanted to bring up, which kind of gets us into another topic, is hard drives, right? So I put – I had two – of those uh, Western Digital two terabyte green drives, which yeah. read and write around like 110, 120 megs a second. Right. 
Uh, I had two of them extra, so I stuck them in. I formatted them. I did them as a software RAID 0. Mm-hmm. And I started, I, I downloaded Blackmagic, uh, you know, the video. Yeah, yeah. high-end speed yeah. tester. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's reading and writing at 220, 230. So right. I have essentially doubled the hard drive speed to those things. Now, granted, this is a RAID 0, so it's like scary, you know, because one of them crashes, you're done. Um, but what I did was I pulled the back, the backup drive out of my old computer and plugged it into the new computer, which contains sparse images of all of my image drives. Right. So I pulled those up and I started copying all of that stuff over to the new scary raid. Uh huh. Okay. So now the reason why I bring this up is because hard drive capacities have ballooned over the past 10 years. You know, five, ten years. Oh, yeah. Well, but that's not new. No, that's not new. But hard drive speeds have only sort of like eh, doubled over the past five years, say. You it, know? Not even. Yeah, hardly. Right. I mean, the extra so speed is... So yeah. you get these giant, like bigger and bigger storage containers, but you still only have two guys to move all the stuff. Right. Um, and you get into this situation where moving my images over to this new array, which is like, I don't have that many images. Maybe like... Um, 2.4 terabytes. So uh-huh. a lot, but not like, oh my God, amounts. Sure. Took 10 hours or so. Hmm. And that's that's like internal like SATA speeds. Okay. And it, and it just kind of makes you think like, it gets scary because <laughs> it means that if you only have your stuff on one drive, you have 10 hours of it reading from that drive for you to be even, even able to back up that drive. <clears throat> yeah, if you're talking about single drives, for sure. Yeah. Which is what you are, right? That's um, where and that's where arrays come into you know, come into play. Sure, and and like having doing like a RAID five or something is is an option, but it it actually probably wouldn't be much faster than my scary RAID. Though, just the point is that like our hard drive capacities have gotten so big that just getting things on and off of these drives takes forever. Well, unless again, unless you have uh, a higher end interface, you know, if you have an external like a Thunderbolt or SAS, you know, or even ESATA you know, isn't too shabby, you know, and you get the, the right configuration going. I've, you know, no, no, no. I, this, this was, this was internal drive, like as fast as the drive could go. And right, it was 10 hours. Still, you're just talking to one, one or two drives at a time. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm copying from one drive to another drive. Yeah. Right. True. But I, I guess my point is that like from single drive to single drive, like three terabytes, four terabyte drives. Now it could take you hours. a day. Yeah. yeah. That's true. But that's slow. I mean, that makes sense. It's just one one drive to one drive. There's yeah, one yeah. interface, one spindle. But it's you know, it's, it's kind of really scary that we're there. We're putting that much information on on single drives. You know, I mean, ninety nine percent of the world is doing that. You know, it's a home computer kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so backing up is like it's a time consuming thing. Yeah. And it's sure. a little scary. You know, sure. dur- while it's doing the copying, you're like, ooh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's why you know i think it's a good idea to do incremental you know smart smart backups if you will sure and have them run you know one or one or two times a day sure no no, no. and and that's and that's what i do but this was like literally moving all the stuff from one machine but to another obviously you know? that initial hit is going to take you yeah. some time and it uh, and so it's all over on the scary raid and it seems fast and i had my lightroom catalog on the ssd mm-hmm. so i have it about as good as i can get it probably Sweet. without going crazy and doing like a four drive raid zero array yeah that no you want to talk about scary <laughs> yeah 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 but some people do that some people i mean for scratch disk stuff and for you know for high sure. speed capture and, and things like that that's yep. in fact you need to the, the black magic thing has yeah. like this crazy array of 
uh, like check boxes and no's, you know, yeses and no's of like how, how fancy a video you could put on this. You could stream off this. Yeah. And mine was like two thirds of the way up, but there's plenty of stuff that it was nowhere near fast enough to, to even save or read or write, you know, it's true. Um, but it, one thing I did do is I did use uh, my – I have one of those external docks that does USB, but it also does eSATA. And I got the eSATA built into the motherboard to work. Uh, now, the problem is on a, on a Mac, you have to – with eSATA, you have to have everything shut down to connect and reconnect. Like on a on a PC, you can hot swap eSATA. Right, but you, yeah. you can't and on you, a Mac. Some, it's there surprising are some that they didn't do that in the in the stock drivers. You know. Well, that's just it. There aren't any. St- I, if there is a stock driver, it's awful. Um, I've seen probably three or four different flavors of eSATA cards over the years. Yeah. But even um, even like the internal Intel motherboard connections, theoretically, those are hot swappable. Interesting. Well, I'm just telling but you, Apple doesn't do the drivers. It's a software yeah. thing, not yeah, a hardware thing. Exactly. Um, I want to say the ones that I saw from Atto, A T T O, those guys, their their cards driver did support. Hot, you know, swapping. hot hot swapping but the sonnet one and the newer newer tech i think made one and there's, there's you know there's maybe three or four different companies that uh that make eSATA cards from or at least you know have drivers for macintosh and uh they're not all you know they're not all the same they're not all created equal and they do not behave the same for it, sure. now you i i am waiting for the usb3 drivers to come out so i could use the usb3 ports on this because then it's essentially the same speed as eSATA, actually faster than eSATA, arguably, mm-hmm. uh, theoretical, um, and hot plug and playable and cables that don't fall out and all the rest of it. Sure. Um, so I got to order one of those docks. You can get them now for like 30 bucks. It's uh, true. So, you know, you said, you mentioned to me that you were looking into USB 3. I was. Um, I, I had a job on Monday and uh, the uh, the hard drive that we were using was one of those, you know, inexpensive Western digital, you know, my book, you know, those little, you know, the little consumer, consumer ones um, that you get for like 150 bucks from wherever, you know, two terabyte drive. And the only interface on the back of it was USB three. Right. And I, I did, I've been doing some looking around and that's kind of happening all over the place. A lot of companies are now, you know, it used to be like you could get, there's, um, <clears throat> there's a USB version of the drive. Uh, Maybe Firewire, a Firewire. plus use USB, yeah. and then there's like a quad interface that had Firewire, both flavors of uh, both flavors of Firewire, USB and eSATA. You know, different yep. different sort of grades or whatever you want to call it. But now, uh, just the USB three on its own is becoming a thing. And which I, you know what isn't surprising <clears throat> considering the fact that Macs are getting rid of their Firewire ports and PCs never really had them. Right. And USB three is faster than all of them anyway. Yeah, well, it's it's. It, I think you, USB three now catches up to where FireWire has been the whole time. It's a lot faster than FireWire. FireWire is eight hundred megabits, where USB three is five gigabits. Yeah, but the actual real world testing. Um, I see people I've, saying that it like they are maxing out their drives, which is like a hundred and fifty megs a second. Right, which, US, which is which is fine. FireWire eight hundred was see, like eighty megs a second. Yeah, eighty to a hundred. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the point is, uh, I, I don't have any USB 3 connectivity on any of my stuff. So I am seriously uh, looking at picking something up to allow my computer to speak USB 3. Which and computer are you referring to? I'm, I'm probably going to start with my MacBook Pro. So, so I'm looking at, there's a, there's a product uh, that Sonnet makes, which is a PC Express card. 
uh, which has two um, USB 3 ports on it. Your, um, I forgot that your generation still has the slot. Yeah. They got rid of the slot on the one after, didn't they? They did. They did. The slot's kind of a big deal, especially if you're doing digital tech stuff like I do, where, um, you know, more and more now, I've had three jobs now where um, on the video side, um, the cameras that we're shooting on use um, Sony's, what they call them S by S, which, you know, which is written SXS or capital S, lowercase x, capital S. And it is essentially, if you look at it, it looks just like a blank, just sort of like a, a PC express card without any connector on it. It is just like, you know, imagine if, you know, take, take a PC express card, you know, 34, not, not the, not the the little ones, not the, not not the fat ones. Right. And, um, and, and just put a a, a dummy cap at the end of it and, 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 you know, and it's a 32 gig card, you know, or 16 gig card or whatever. And, um, all these high end cameras, um, shoot to that. Um, I, I just found out that the Airy Alexa, which is like, you know, fast becoming the go-to standard for digital cinema shoots to those cards as well. So, um, it's really nice to have that card slot built into the side of my computer. So I can literally take the card from, from the guy, stick it in the side of my computer and boom, start transferring. The, uh, the alternative obviously is they make external card readers, but those are USB based and they're going to be slower than the PCI, you know, PC express bus, which is just sitting there on the logic board, you know, sure. be way faster. Um, and actually I take it back. They, there are other companies out there, like actually Sonnet here. I'm going to post a, a link to this. Um, but Sonnet even makes this tremendous, um, card reader product. It's like 800 bucks. Um, but it has dual slots for everything and it, and, it, and it's eSATA based. So you can actually, in theory, you, you get an eSATA card, for the side of your computer and then you plug this big card reader gizmo in and then you can do two cards at a time and it also does compact flash and you know other other stuff too but um yeah but anyway i I was just thinking it'd be really nice to be able to speak um usb3 to these hard drives for these higher volume transfers lacy makes one that's 49 bucks when the sun at 169 so if you wanted to try one i'm sure they're probably they all use the same chips I, i i'm yeah you're probably right um, you know, it's, it's USB three is actually pretty interesting. Um, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, like the fact that it's backwards compatible. I think that's really smart. Yeah. Like you just plug anything into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, you do need that. It does have that weird notched plug that goes into the device. Yep. But the fact that the computer connections are, are all the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. neat. So like on the back of my computer now, I think there are f- just built into the motherboard. There are four USB three and two USB two. Hmm. Um, and then there's a bunch of headers on the motherboard so you can add all kinds of other things in the front panel and all that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, but it kind of, I mean, the advantages of Thunderbolt are, well, for, uh, theoretically it has twice the, uh, bandwidth of USB three, right? But there are very few applications that are actually going to use over five gigabits, um, but the big advantage is just going and having video go over it too. Yeah. Um, which is which is a very neat thing, but like if you really you're just connecting storage, USB three is a heck of a lot cheaper, um, yeah. like like orders of magnitude cheaper. So yeah. and and widely available where the the Thunderbolt stuff still isn't widely. Ava- I mean, you can get them, but they're expensive. You yeah, know? it's true. Um, the fact that you can go to Best Buy and buy you know a dual hard drive 
uh, uh, Western Digital little thing that does like RAID zero or whatever it is. Like, yeah, those, the, it basically it, you know, it has a USB port on the back and it has two two terabyte drives in there. Yeah, right. That's what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. and it's, that's that's you know for like four hundred bucks or whatever, you know, three hundred yeah, bucks. Yeah, uh, is I don't know. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. So nice. I'm I'm actually looking forward to using that. Hey, when you when you transferred all of your hard drives because you sold how many hard drives? It was like thirty six or something. I posted about thirty, and presently about seventeen have sold. I, I just reposted a bunch of them. Again. Uh, did did they did they sell for what you wanted or? Well, yeah, you did I mean, buy now. The ones, the ones that no, I didn't do any buy now. So okay. I just started them all at you know between you know ten and twenty bucks, depending on you know. I just did some some real quick. Actually, one of the neat new features of eBay um, from a selling standpoint is they have this this uh, ever growing product database. Yeah, where if you have something um, that you know is an actual off the shelf product, you can look it up in this database. You know, like mm-hmm. they used to have those categories, right? Yeah. You know, so you know you can get really specific about what category the thing that you're, you're, you know, that you're selling belongs in. But uh, in addition to that, they have this, this database now where you can, you can actually say, I'm selling one of these, this actual thing, yeah. you know, you, so you can even pop in like the barcode number and you know, what have you. Um, and what's nice about that is that that enables them to track. So the more people that use that, then, you know, when, what they can say now is like, oh, okay, well the average starting price for this item has been this. And the average selling price for this item has been that. That is pretty cool. It's kind of nice. So when you're building your listing, you can just, you know, you can get a, a, a nice suggestion about what the, what you should start the auction at. So I just decided to say, all right, well, fine. If the average selling price is 15 bucks, I'll start at 15 bucks. And, uh, it worked out. It worked out just fine. Okay. How many, how many did you sell? Uh, I think 17. Okay. And these were just sitting in your closet. Pretty much. Now you, you went through a whole process of transferring all of these drives to another big drive or a set of big drives. Um, mm-hmm. What did you use to connect them? Uh, a, a different things because I was mixing and matching between uh, ATA, you know, old IDE drives and serial ATA. Most did you, of them. Did you have one of those external USB to ID connection things? Uh, I did. Okay, like the one of the like kind of dongle that just kind of like looks like I have, a. I have that one. There's one, you know. It's, there's a bunch of people that make it now. Do they it's work like, well? Yeah, they work fine. Um, they're slow and they're a little little fidgety. Um, but what's really nice is that it's kind of got everything all in one, you know, yeah. you can plug a laptop drive on one side or a regular desktop drive with the power supply on yeah. the other. And it has in the middle of it, a little eSATA cable or sorry, a SATA cable. So you can even plug SATA drives into it too. So it's sort of like, it's nice cause it's all in, you know, if you and, only and how do you one, power the drive? Well, it ha- comes with an external power supply. Okay. And then, and there's an adapter. Um, that you can plug to in, do you know, Molex that, that or Molex, SATA, yeah, the little four pin Molex or the or the whatever the the goofy SATA thing is. Yeah, okay. so that um, that worked out great, and you can get those from anywhere for like twenty bucks. They're not they're not that hard to find anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, I, I've been you know that's sort of like the kind of thing that any computer geek should have in their closet. Yeah, if you have a bunch of old hard drives, or, yeah. or you're an IT guy, and you you know you never know. Or if you you're have gonna... friends that think you're an IT guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's definitely worth uh, worth considering. Um, however, it's not going to be it because it's old school USB, you know, regular old USB 2.0 or whatever. Yeah. It's not the fastest choice. Um, so I also have from, you know, from o- older days, uh, a handful of different external hard drive enclosures, you know, like Firewire 800 and 400 based controllers that, um, um, you know, do, uh, both ESATA, sorry, both serial ATA internally and IDE. 
you know, so basically I just, for some of these things, the first thing I would try was I would plug the drive into one of these enclosures via firewire. But, but some of those have been old and beaten up and one of the ports doesn't work or I found there are definitely inconsistencies where sometimes a drive will work just fine with one enclosure, but not so great with another. So sometimes you have to get uh, creative and patient and mix and match. Okay. That's what I did. It's uh, all that stuff is just very time consuming. It is. But, you know, I, I was in a in that. Yeah. You have to be in the right frame of mind, yep. which in this case I was. Um, and like I mentioned, um, or maybe I didn't mention this on the, on the air, so to speak. But uh, lately, my work schedule has balanced out just to where I like it, where I'm not super crazy busy. And I actually have a little bit of time to to, you know, to chill out and do stuff, you know, do stuff for myself. And uh, I figured I'd take advantage of that. And uh, that's what I did. I think that that was a smart move. I just, I was just wondering how you were connecting all these things. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's how I've so everything was essentially USB two, or if you had a firewire enclosure, well, the bulk of them, I used firewire okay. and then there were a couple of uh, holdouts that I, I wound up having to use the, uh, the USB thing, but at the end of the day, I got it all off. So it all worked out. Firewire. Yeah. Firewire is a good name. It's a good name. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine. Fire is cool. Fire is cool. Is it better than Thunder, though? Uh, yeah. See, this is the thing that USB... USB is very, like, okay, universal serial bus. Like, I understand that. Sure. But it doesn't ignite the imagination. Not like Fire does. Firewire. Firewire. Thunderbolt! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When you make it sound like that... Yeah, sounds kind of gay. I wonder um, what the IEEE, we only know what the IEEE standards are for FireWire. I mean, I'm sure USB and Thunderbolt have them as well. Right. But nobody knows what they are off the top of their head. No. Uh, but it's kind of, you know what? Think back 25 years or 20 years even. Uh-huh. Because uh, USB really started appearing. I, first computer I ever saw was USB was a, t- a Toshiba desktop that my friend. Uh, 20 years was 1982, by the way. Uh, no, it was 1992. Was it? Yes. Oh my God. You're right. <laughs> um, I can do math in my head. In 2000 or ni- 1995 or 96. That's right around when, when USB. So, no, sorry. Firewire was announced in like 92. I remember right. reading about it and then it started to make its way onto computers, you know, about three. Right. Or four and and like. Firewire was obviously much faster, but like just the idea that, it was this computer, this Toshiba computer that was running Windows had um, had had a USB thing built into the monitor that, like, you know, you could turn volume up and down or whatever it was. And I remember I had to reinstall Windows on this guy's computer, and I was like, "Where do? what is this USB, and where do I find drivers for it? Because it was, like, literally one of the first computers that used it. Um, but just just the fact that we now have this standard that between Macs and PCs and whatever it is, you can plug almost anything into anything and get it working uh, mm-hmm. is actually pretty, it's pretty cool how far we've, we've come. Um, I, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, hey, so my friend Jess uh, put her book out last week on, on, oh, yeah. a, on the so Amazon. You posted that. Yeah. So I, I, for those who don't know, I, I took the picture and designed the cover and whatnot and helped her with her website and that kind of stuff. Cause I'm a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's, you know, it's kind of cool that you can do this nowadays that she could write this book. Uh, we do the cover we put it up on Amazon and like people all over the world are buying it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it really is. And, and 
you know, as much as the publishing industry says, oh, you know, you're Amazon's putting us out of business. It's like, well, no, they're back in the old, old days, there were writers and there were readers and there was no way to get the writers to the readers. And so publishing industry went and took the slot in the middle. Yeah. Or well, it's like now think about movies and television yep, too. Dude. You don't need the middleman anymore. Or sorry, music. Mu- sorry. Movies, television and music. Yeah. That's uh, all changing. I mean, yeah. Dude, t- 20 years from now, they're going to look back at this time. We had stations know, even, where we had to wait for stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're gonna, I mean, that's going to be analogous to, um, you know, horses and buggy. Yeah. When I was a you kid, know, we had to laugh, wait like, till 8 p.m. to watch Seinfeld. Yeah. You know, we had to go to a store and, and, and wait online and, and, and wait for it to come out. You know? Yeah. No. Uh, although they're still going to need a release date thing, right? Because, you know, it's got to come out at some point. And I, I, you know what I mean, though. But yeah. I mean, it, I still think it's weird that like there's this this whole system where you know uh, with with the larger you know obviously the larger names where you know um, the record has been recorded for three months and it has to be released on this Tuesday morning you know yeah. whatever uh, you know the same thing with movies like that movie's been in the can for you know x amount of months but yeah. because of the the whatever because they're trying to roll up the marketing stuff whatever yeah. it is yeah. you know it's like I mean I, I get it but it's like I, I think that's. Uh, you know, I, I, I admitted to you yesterday that I, I broke one of your your flashes that you let me borrow. Yeah, um, that's big of you. I, I did oh, not. I probably would have noticed. I, I did not back. break it badly. Uh, uh-huh. What happened was the it fell off a stand and it hit the ground and it's fine. You know what? The batteries popped out and everything like that. Like it kind of just like oh, you know, like hit yeah. the ground or whatever. But I put it all together. It works fine. The uh-huh. only thing that broke was the 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 little uh, diffuser fold out diffuser thing. One of the uh-huh. clips on the side broke. Um, so I had to go buy you find you a new one on eBay. Uh huh. And so I use this tool called JBID Watcher. Mm-hmm. I which think I've is, heard of that one. It's a Java-based thing. Yeah, right? Java-based, and it's free. Yeah. Um, and it worked really, really well. So you log into your eBay account, yeah. and then you add items to it based on their uh, auction number. Mm-hmm. And it comes up, and it says, oh, this is currently at X whatever with this kind of bid, whatever. And then it says, you say snipe and how much you want to pay. Mm-hmm. And it counts down, and in the last like three seconds or whatever it is before the thing, mm-hmm. it starts having like a little fight with the eBay server, trying to get you, you know, always keeping you on top with by paying as little as possible up to your limit. Sure. Uh, how do you feel about these things? Is this cheating? Um, it it I don't know. What's cheating, dude? It's it, it's a transaction. I mean. I, I guess you, my question is that, like, if my mom really needed this flash or whatever it is, but wasn't computer savvy, I would have beat her. You know, I, but we're talking about like buying a, a thing. I mean, uh, I, I can't come up with a great analogy, but the closer the closest thing I can come up with off the top of my head is like the guy who wakes up at seven in the morning to get online first. You know, when the when the yeah. door opens, is he cheating by waking up early and, and getting there? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, kind of, I guess. But, you know, it was yeah, really Yeah, but the, the guy who gets up at 7 a.m. in the morning and sits there and watches the eBay auction until the last second, and then I come in and go, whoop. Well, I, I mean, honestly, dude, that's, that's, that mechanism, that mentality has been part of eBay since the, since the beginning. I yeah. mean, that's, that's yeah. how I win almost it all just, It just, just automates it. I just it. do it manually. Yeah, exactly. So right. if, you're, if, you're, if you're putting your faith... In, the, in an automated tool to do it for you. Yeah. Whatever. Take your chances. I, I personally... It totally worked, by the way. I, well, that's cool. Uh, and I've tried those things in the past. What, what I, don't, I personally just don't like is uh, 
is giving another thing my eBay credentials, which is, you know, easily changeable. Sure. I don't, I don't like having to change my passwords like over and over again. Yeah. I don't have to. Um, but yeah, and I, the, the problem is eBay changes their sites mechanics pretty, pretty regularly. Yeah. I mean, the one or two that I've used, um, I remember like I went back to use it, you know, the one that worked for me last time and it didn't work anymore because eBay changed something. Sure. Know? And they're constantly updating their website. So. Do you think that they're change, they change things to keep these things from working? No. I, you don't think I they think, care? No, I think, well, that, that has a, again, I, I, in my opinion, that, that has been a longstanding, you know, tactic or whatever you want to call it, element, you know, of, of eBay. That, that's part of eBay's DNA. You know, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. You know, you got to be, you got to be quick, you know, you got to, and you have to play the game. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to do the auction thing and you got to wait for the time to go out, um, that, that's just how they, that's how they set it up, you know? So I think it's fine. Um, and you know, and if you don't like that, there are other ways of, of doing it with eBay. You know, you can set the price, you can have a buy it now. Sure. You can, you know, there's other, other things. Hey, explain to me, you know, I was trying to figure it out yesterday. You have, you have a thing, uh, uh an alert system set up. Do you just use Google alerts? To, no, I don't, I don't have an alert system. I thought I you, use, didn't you have a thing set up so that whenever it comes up with like a new SB80 pops up, you get a notice. No, I don't get a notice. It just pops up in my RSS feed. Oh, okay. Spend, oh, you, you, I spend, okay. I spend ninety percent of my time on the internet in Google Reader. Okay. Well, that, okay. That was my question. So you use R, an RSS feed. So who gives yeah. you that? eBay has a system to yeah. set that up. Okay. okay. Turn any any search in eBay or Craigslist into an RSS feed. Okay. That is precisely what I was looking for. Yep. That information. That's, um, that's you know, and that's and a lot of times people put these up as buy it nows. Uh, what was the what's the lowest price you paid for one of these SB80s that was in good shape? Like I don't know, one hundred and five dollars. Okay, and how, what's the most you've paid? Maybe one hundred and sixty-five. Okay, so if I paid one fifty-two, that's a decent price. Well, that's the. I mean, I've been buying them for the past seven. Well, not maybe not right, seven, right, right. Like so you were buying them back when they still were available, and there were a lot more on the market that people were selling. There, yeah, there were less. Well, in the early days of the strobist, you know, scene when they weren't as common, you know, it, the scene was much smaller. Right, but now that that has uh, has been around for quite a while, um, the you know the demand has gone up. Right, right, right. So I didn't get taken. I guess is my no, question. no, no. I, I, is anything under really honestly anything under one seventy five is reasonable. And sometimes, I mean, you got to look at the pictures and look at the seller. You know, some some people are are better at it than others. Sometimes they're in you know crappy shape. Um, you know, you could you could tell by looking at it. Oh, there's lots of scratches on it. It has all this right. Velcro residue or right. you know what have you. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where just being an experienced online shopper, you know, having good online instincts comes into play. <sighs> you know, one last little thing. I, I, uh, I had a client buy a print from me, so I printed it out, put it in like these, I have these heavy duty mailing tubes mm-hmm. and he lives in New Hampshire, like in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Live free or die, baby. Right. However, so usually I ship UPS. Because sure. I like tracking things and whatever it is, and sure. usually like within the you know the area, it's like eight or nine bucks to ship something UPS like a little tube. Sure. But because of where he lived, it was like an adi- all these additional fees, and it ended up being like sixteen dollars. Mm-hmm. And I was like, screw that! I'm not doing sixteen dollars. You know. Sure. So I ended up sending it postal, mm-hmm. and it got to him like completely cru- like the the tube was crushed and all this kind of stuff, and he like declined to receive it. And now it's like a whole big thing. Cause now I got to reprint it or, you know, he's sending it back to me, you know, it's like, so essentially I'm, I'm losing most of the money that I would have made on the print. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, when you ship stuff, do you, you tend to use USPS. Do you ever have any problems with that? 
Um, or is this really, is this a really weird isolated thing? You think? Or depends. Is, okay. It depends. What? What? Did you ship it parcel post? Uh, first class mail. Huh. Uh, yeah. I've had some bad luck with parcel post. Okay. Which is the super cheap way. Okay. Um, I've had the best luck by far with their flat rate express mail stuff. Yeah. They have the boxes for free. You know, yeah, there's yeah, five, yeah. four or five different sizes, three different rates, small, medium, and large. Um, they get there like in two days, yeah. almost always. And, they, you know, I, I've, I've, when I did my big ass eBay purge of 2009 or whatever, and I had, you know, sold over 120 things, um, 90% of that was just with USP, you know, USPS flat rate boxes and not a single one of them, um, got, had any problems. The only ones that I had any kinds of problems with were UPS. Um, and most of those were just due to them being stupid and, you know, like, like they, 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 they couldn't find the place and the guy wasn't around and, you know, I had to, I had to, it got sent back to me and then I had to send it back and well, whatever, you know, s- stupid stuff like that. Sure. But I, I guess all in all, I've had pretty good luck in general um, with, uh, with the USPS lately. It's weird to say that though, because man, I went through this huge, this huge time, um, when I lived in Chicago, um, I guess part of it was cause I, I kept moving every year or so, but I just, I, I would never get my mail, you know? And yeah. it, I would, I would, ter- it was terrifying to get a package. It was like, you know, fortunately I had a, a full-time job with, you know, I could always just have it sent to work, but the down, the downside to that was it was up in the suburbs. So, you know, I, I had to, I'd have to time stuff out. Uh, I would never get stuff delivered to my house ever. Interesting. Um, yeah. Just because I couldn't trust it. You know, it, yeah. I mean, it, it just got to the point where it's like, I can't guarantee that, that I'll get this because, you know, half of the time I don't get, I don't get my mail. And that was like USPS or UPS? Yeah. Okay. Just regular USPS. And it got to the point, got, you know, thankfully, um, you know, companies started offering things like online payments and online billing and what have you. And sure. Now nowadays, you know, it's funny. Now my mail is very, very consistent and stable, but I don't get any mail anymore. You yeah, know? exactly. Almost all the mail I get is just you know random junk and stuff. You know that yeah. random thing from your bank that yeah, you know stupid credit card either. offer that kind of crap. Uh, not not even that much. You know, most like most of the stuff is just like we have to send you this this you know thirty oh, page yeah, yeah. fine print book. You know, due yeah. to legal obligations, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. whatever, it's fine. It's just so funny. It's it's funny to me that like mail, mail like newspapers. It's like ten years ago, people were like, "Oh, people are still going to need mail," and well, and now it's slowly getting to the point where I don't get any bills in the mail. I I pay my rent by mail, but that's only because I don't feel like walking the check down to the place, and they don't do electronic transfers. I mean, I guess I could have my bank send them a check. You know, they do those kinds do. of things. I, I haven't written a check for rent. Yeah. in 10 years. Maybe I should use that little send them a check thing. I always feel like sometimes people get them and they don't realize what they are. You know what I mean? Like it's not just, your fault. It's not your problem. I know. Um, no, I, and I, it's gotten, it's always worked out really well for me. Landlords love me for that because when I was, when I was working salaried and I knew what my, my, you know, income was going to be. auto I, set up. I had it automated, man. Yeah. yeah. I had my rent arrive at the, at the landlords, you know, on the first of the month and it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do it. I mean, I, I'm for, fortunately, Thankfully, knock on wood, uh, I've been doing well, you know, self-employed now. I, I don't know if I told you I came a my, my one-year anniversary was was in April. Yeah. So now it's been one full year since I've been working for myself, which is nice. And um, I, I am now breaking even or more so uh, month to month, which is nice. Uh, so so I haven't had any problems, you know, making my rent. <laughs> it's exciting. Um, 
Yeah, it's kind of nice, uh, but I'm not ready. No, yeah, I'm not ready yet to automate that. <laughs> that, sure. that. That's sort of like a different tier. Sure. And I don't know if I ever will. Who knows? I mean, it's not a big deal to just log into the website, push the three buttons, and I can just do it for my phone. Even I mean, it's kind of yeah. awesome. I've got to. I got to look into that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's wrap this up. Okay. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, circuitous.tv is the website with show notes and comments and all the rest of it. Uh, let's see, circuitousconversations at gmail.com. And you can write us on Twitter at, at Bill Waterman and at Dan Gottesman. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? Um, thank you for your support. Yes. And, uh, oh, yeah, if you want to tip us, you can do that at circuitous.tv. You can also go and click through to Amazon from there. And mm-hmm. anything you purchase, uh, we get a little cut of, and it doesn't cost you a cent. Not a dime. So uh, do that to support the show if you want. Thanks. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Yep. Bye. Thank you.